Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. My name is Aaron and I'm here with Michael. And our goal is to make the study of God's word accessible to our listeners so that we and you would better love God, know truth, and live accordingly. Hello and welcome to Accessible Theology. We are doing a three-minute theology section on this episode today, and uh, we're doing this at the same time as we are about to release a new series on the Minor Prophets. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to talk about in our intro episode, but we're not able to get to, was the question of why are there 12 Minor Prophets? And so that's what we're going to talk about in this episode today. So we're going to send Michael off on um, the journey of answering that question in three minutes or less, and then just have a little bit more conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And so this will hopefully be helpful uh, to uh, a helpful resource uh, to our Minor Prophet series. So, Mm -hmm. Michael, why are there 12 Minor Prophets? Your time starts now. Yeah, and so it's interesting that uh, the twelve, the book of the twelve, or the minor prophets, they are covenant representatives. We've talked about this, uh, and we will talk about this more in our minor prophet series. That a prophet is also called a seer, S E E R, in the old covenant, meaning they see God's revelation. God reveals to them visions and and unpacks His plans and purposes in history. And these prophets then reveal that to God's people. They give the message of God. And we see that very specifically in books like Habakkuk and other places. Um, and so when it comes to the, the 12, then what's interesting is there's also 12 apostles in the new Testament and there's 12 minor prophets in the old. And then there's uh, you have 12 um, tribes of Israel. And then interestingly though, uh, regarding the prophetic books is that if you include the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the 12 tribes, that's 15. And there are 15 prophetic writings in all when you include Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. And so what one author says, uh, Jason Derushi, an Old Testament scholar, he, he makes the helpful point that the prophets were a mini Israel calling back the larger nation to its covenant Lord. And that's the purpose of the prophets is they, they are sent by God to God's people to bring them back to himself. They are the instrument God uses in history to speak out. Prophet literally means to speak forth. They are speaking forth the message of God, which is to be received by his people so that they would turn back to their covenant Lord. And so they kind of provide a commentary on Israel's history and show um, the judgment that is to come on the basis of Israel breaking the covenant that is made um, at Mount Sinai. Interestingly, if you're familiar with with Mount Sinai, God's covenant with them is conditional. Mm. There are blessings and cursings, and many of the minor prophets are start to call out the cursings that are to come because Israel has not uh, been faithful. So, the literary sequence that we find in the 12 um, is very thematic. It has a constant theme showing both God's judgment, his justice. It also shows God's mercy and his faithfulness to his people, which reflects the creedal statement given by Moses in Exodus 34, 6, and 7. And so we'll see time and time again that the prophets are calling God's people to return to their covenant Lord or face 
the curses of the covenant and be exiled um, by uh, Yahweh. So that's uh, what I'll say uh, for now. All right. And that is, I think, a helpful explanation uh, that is rooted in some some good <laughs> biblical theology. Uh, so, but let me let me ask you this though, because somebody might listen to that and say, "Okay, that's great. You know, there's there's twelve apostles, there's twelve patriarchs, there's twelve um, minor prophets. That's just coincidence, um, and it doesn't really matter." So, so the question that I'm wondering is, can we always, and that's an intentional word there, can we always find significance in numbers in the Bible? No, uh, not always. Um, so every time we see a number, I mean, the first example that comes to mind is like Revelation, when you have 666 or 616, some people really run off with that number and want to subscribe a literal significance to it, things like that. Um, I'd be very careful, uh, careful with that. Um, there are some numbers in scripture that are very important. You have the number three, uh, especially uh, a lot of times we'll see this in the minor prophet study we do upcoming as well. When it talks about the third day, that's picked up. So when Paul says that Jesus is raised on the third third day, according to the scriptures in First Corinthians fifteen, he's specifically, in my mind, referencing the fact that over and over again in the Old Covenant, we're told the third day is significant for some reason, and we see that picked up in the New. Uh, the number seven is very important in the Bible. It's really the number that's often described with completion. The number twelve we see time and time again. What I would say in terms of determining a number's significance is when you see it repeated, mm-hmm. emphasized, and then picked up again later. So when it's especially when it's not only just emphasized, but whenever it's ascribed significance. And mm-hmm. so the fact that 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 is how it works really gives a strong reason for me to say that it's called. And and here's the thing in he in Hebrew uh, with Hebrew Bible, it's called the twelve. Yeah. Very specific. So it's different. So we're going to get into this in our minor prophet intro episode as well, well, which will come out uh, this coming Thursday. Um, The reality is this, that the 12 um, is written into that. Ezra and the people that compiled it wanted us to call it the 12, which has a lot of significance to it. Um, Because then you see that there are 12 prophets who are specifically calling Israel back who are calling back the 12 tribes of Israel. Um, and then Jesus seems to establish what is um, the true Israel. And since he himself is the true Israel, he establishes 12 apostles as well, showing that cohesion. So I would say that though we want to be careful to not do it all the time, when we see the repetition, that's a huge sign. The number 40 also, we see the number yeah. 40 a lot yeah. regarding judgment, especially. Yep. So, yeah. So then as we think about prophets, in general, mm-hmm. and the minor prophets specifically, I want to think about with you for a second. Firstly, the role of a prophet, uh, what a prophet was called to do, but then specifically uh, within that, did did the minor prophets, those who were prophesying in shorter books, did their role differ from a major prophet? And so, if you could. So maybe spend some time thinking about that. I think that would be helpful for us as well. Yeah. So the Bible actually has a couple different designations. So there are 
for example, some people call them the writing prophets, which would be some people put like Isaiah, Amos, Malachi, and such. But then you also have the non-writing prophets. So there are other times in Scripture, like in First uh, Samuel twenty-two verse five, you have Nathan, or you have even at times you have Elijah who didn't write, but he was a prophet. Yeah. Um, so you have the non-writers as well, and they they both are serving similar roles in that they're used mightily of God for calling his people back and, and to fulfill uh, redemptive missions that are given by Yahweh. But um, in terms of the minor prophets, they play a major role in the time period where the Northern and Southern kingdom are split apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in, with Israel, you have the, the Northern kingdom, which is called Israel. And then the, southern kingdom which is called judah and what happens is they split apart and it's interesting the minor prophets actually in terms of the ordering that the bible gives in the biblical sequence go back and forth so let me just give an example hosea speaks to the northern kingdom of israel as a whole joel speaks to the southern kingdom of, of judah amos speaks to the northern kingdom of israel Obadiah speaks to the southern kingdom of, of Judah, specifically to also to Edom. Then you have Jonah, who speaks more to the northern kingdom. Micah goes back to the southern kingdom. Nahum speaks to the southern kingdom. Habakkuk speaks to the southern kingdom. Zephaniah speaks to the southern kingdom, which is interesting because when these guys are speaking, the southern kingdom is about to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. So in history, the, the biblical ordering of the minor prophets is given in such a way that it's as though at key times in their history, as they're falling away, God is sending prophets to restore them. He's giving them opportunity, but Israel's obstinate and not receiving it. And then lastly, in Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi, these are all speaking to Judah because at this point, Israel's destroyed. Mm-hmm. And Judah then is what, and these three come in, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, as the post-exilic prophets, they're called, meaning they come in after the return from the exile and are part of the rebuilding so to speak of the of the people of israel so so the minor prophets play a key role as israel's declining and about to enter into destruction and then are part of the restoration process so they're really god's instruments in and through that time in history that israel is experiencing massive discord as the southern and northern kingdoms divide Mm -hmm. and then as they both go into exile and then subsequently return. So that's really the minor prophets main yeah. function, I would say. And is that different than the major prophets? Um, not really. Cause they are, there's actually a lot of overlap. So um, I'm, I'm trying to not speak out of turn. I believe it's the book of Amos. There's a lot of overlap with Amos and Jeremiah's ministry. Mm-hmm. If I remember right, uh, like I'm, I, I, I preached on it a few years ago. I'm trying to remember if that's the right book because I, I think it was Amos where Amos actually was a contemporary of Jeremiah that's mentioned in the book of Jeremiah. Yeah, I, I and, think that's correct. And they were both around at the time of, um, not Jeroboam, uh, or yeah, was it? Yeah, it was it was the king the king who was actually bringing about reform and bringing about a renewal in Israel for a season that helped them recover the law that was hidden um, in the destroyed temple and all these things. Those things were happening, and so what you have is the major prophets actually have a lot of overlap with the minor prophets mm-hmm. as well. They just write more, so it's not as though I, I wouldn't go as far as saying they have extremely distinct roles in as much as they 
they write more or less, but a lot of times they were um, contemporaries of yeah, each other. Yeah. So, like in, in the example of Jeremiah and Amos, they actually seem to have known each other. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so that that's good. And and as we continue to think about prophecy, then um, prophecy as a genre of literature can be a little difficult to read. So, would there be any principles that come to mind that would be helpful? for our reading of prophecy today. Yeah, one of the key things that comes up with prophecy is a a word that's used called typology, Mm. and that bears explanation. So in typology, you have a type and then what's called an anti-type or the fulfillment of that. So for example, um, let me think of a key thing where that we can set it. So for example, Hosea 11.1, we're told, um, out of Egypt, I called my child. It's kind of an obscure thing at first, but it sounds like it's referring to the people of Israel at that point that you know that that God called them out of the land of Egypt. But then in the book of Matthew, it's picked up and it says that Jesus fulfills that. Yeah. So Jesus is the antitype or the fulfillment of Hosea eleven one. Mm-hmm. But key thing you mentioned, what's the principle? Key thing is we know that because the New Testament picks it up. Right. We cannot just make up fulfillment Mm -hmm. so uh if we see something that sounds cool in the old covenant (laughs) but it's not used again in the new we should be very careful obviously let me just give you a a more kind of odd one i once heard that that was confusing one guy tried to argue that on the basis of moses striking the rock so if you remember in the story god tells moses to strike the rock the first time he does the rock gives water the second time he's not supposed to strike the rock but he does in anger at the people and God judges judges him for it. I heard one guy try to say, well, yeah, the rock is Christ, as First Corinthians 10 says. So on that basis, when Jesus came the first time, he was crucified. But the second time Jesus comes, he won't be crucified or attacked because he's going to reign. So that's why Moses was wrong is because the second time he struck it, it was throwing off the picture of the coming Christ. And I'm like, no, it does not pick that up in the New Testament. Yeah. There's no mention of it. Right. So it might sound good in theory. It might even line up with how the Bible unfolds, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I'd be very careful using it. Another key one that's often brought up is something like uh, Joseph in, in the book of Genesis. Some people want to say he's a type of Christ. I'd be, I'd be a little more careful with that because we don't see Joseph explicitly mentioned in the New Covenant or in the New Testament as a type uh, um, of Christ that Christ fulfilled. So I think that we should be careful. We do know Melchizedek is a type. Melchizedek is brought up in the book of Genesis as well as Psalm 110, is it? I believe it's Psalm 110. 110. And, and, and then in Hebrews, it's brought back up again. So we know, again, the New, New Testament brings it up. It's repeated and it's built so we can call that a type. So when we're thinking about prophecy, that would be my caution is when you're reading it and you're trying to understand it and its fulfillment, the new, there is a uh, term that's used called uh, New Testament priority by theologians. What it means is the New Testament has priority in determining how we're to interpret the Old Testament. So, And what we should be looking for as Christians is looking at the New Testament, seeing how it uses the Old, and believing that, not trying to make up or be novel. We're not to innovate yeah. from the Old Testament. We are to imitate the pattern of the apostles who are God's delegates for the purpose of understanding how we are to see um, Christ's fulfillment of the Old Testament. So when we're reading the minor prophets or reading any prophets and they're prophesying about coming things, we want to be looking for specific and explicit ways the New Testament 
picks up on those citations or quotations or even allusions and um, speaks of them and then give that the priority in our thinking. Otherwise, I would strongly caution you not to be coming up with your own novel ways that prophecy is coming together now. I heartily agree. <laughs> uh, so hopefully that 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 is helpful to understand not only just prophecy, but will be helpful as we continue to look at the minor prophets uh, in our series, Minor Prophets Major Message, which you can uh, find here again on Thursday, uh, this coming Thursday. We will release this episode uh, two days before so that it gives a little more um, background understanding to the Book of the Twelve, the Minor Prophets. So that's all we have for uh, this edition, this episode of Accessible Theology. And as always, we want to charge you to love God, know truth, and live accordingly.